Well, hello, friends. Dave here on behalf of the Hallway Crew. Thanks for listening in, as always. Uh, we are wrapping up our summertime, and we're getting back into the office. Everybody was here today, and very soon we're going to have some new episodes coming into the feed for you. Uh, but for this week's episode, we still have a summer rewind. This is a repeat of one of my favorite episodes where we discuss the value in project-based learning. For those of you who are preparing to head back into the classroom in a few short weeks here, we hope this might be an encouragement and an inspiration for you for the kind of projects you might choose to do with your students. We get at both a little bit of the how and the why in this episode. So I'll play a little music and then we'll dive in. Hello everyone, welcome to Hallway Conversations. My name is Matt Beamers. I'm Abby DeGroat. And I'm Dave Mulder. For those of you new here, we are trying to create space where people can play around with a few ideas in the context of what it means to teach and lead Christianly. And one of our deep hopes is that you might be encouraged to go back to your classroom, your staff room, or your hallway and engage in some of your own conversations. We also love it when listeners give us feedback, suggest ideas for shows, or even send in questions. So if you feel compelled to do so, please send that to hallwayconvospod at gmail.com. That's hallwayconvospod at gmail.com. Finally, we are going to start a short series next week based on the book Flourishing Together by Andy Wolf and Lynn Swanner. You definitely don't need to read the book in order to join in on the fun, but if you want to read along with us, Dave will leave a link in the show notes so that you can purchase it. We're going to engage with part one starting next week. Abby and Dave, although I don't watch late night talk shows as much as I used to, there was a time when I was a big Jimmy Fallon fan. Mm -hmm. Although lately I find I have more of an affinity for Stephen Colbert, who's quite brilliant, by the way. On a side note, I recommend anyone listening to this conversation to look up Colbert's dialogue with Andrew Garfield about grieving or his response when Dua Lipa asked him about his faith. It's quite Mm -hmm. profound. Mm -hmm. This did make me think, though, about today's check-in question, so here it is. Okay. You are all both quite famous, and you'll be even more famous one day. In my world, you're quite famous. You're from my kind, So my question is, when, not if, you get your own talk show, who will be your first guest on opening night? Oh, man. Okay, so I've mentioned before on, on the show that I really enjoy the Holy Post podcast uh, mm-hmm. with Sky Jutani and, yeah. and Phil Vischer. I would love to interview Phil Vischer and just hear his story mm-hmm. of where VeggieTales came from. Mm-hmm. Um, after VeggieTales, the big idea company kind of imploded. Like, how did how did that actually yeah. go? I'd love to hear that piece yeah. of his story. And I just think it would he would be a fascinating person who kind of has a finger on the pulse of the weird evangelical subculture yeah. in the American church yeah. and and to just hear his his wonderings mm-hmm. about that. I would be really fascinated. Yeah, I just want to thank him for all the songs yes. that I cannot unstuck, <laughs> unstick from my brain. You started talking, and I right away was like, oh, where is my hairbrush? Right. <laughs> Thanks, Phil, if you ever listen to this. Yeah. Abigail, how about you? Okay. Um, so it has to be an author, probably, right? Does it? <laughs> Said the English teacher. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so I'm just thinking about books that I've read in the last 10 years that I was like, I really would love to talk to that yeah. person. I'm going to go with Tara Westover. Have you guys read Educated? I have not, but I'm familiar. Yeah. I, Say think, more. I, would, I think I would interview her. Um, so she grew up in an extreme version of Mormonism in mm. Utah. No, Idaho. Her parents were survivalists, Whoa. and she never went to school Whoa. until she went to Brigham Young. She got in. 
And then she ended up getting a PhD from Cambridge and um, wrote a book about her experience. It's a memoir called Educated. You may have heard of it. Um, And just a fascinating story. Like, I had to put it down at times because it was so intense. Like, I couldn't couldn't keep reading it for a while. Like, I wanted to. And I just, like, had to... For there's a piece in the middle. I don't do well with like physical injury descriptions mm-hmm. in yeah. books, mm-hmm. and I had to like put it down for a while and can't read yeah. it because yeah. of like it was intense. Wow. Cool. Um, and so I just I think her story is fascinating. She lives in New York now, and she's I think cut ties mostly with her family, wow. and so it's just a fascinating wow. story yeah. about her like quest for education yeah. and how she got there. Yeah. So. That's, that would be what I choose. Yeah, that's good. That's intense. All right, questionnaire. You asked yeah. the I, would, I, would, I would 100% have to go with uh, Bruce Springsteen or Bono if I could pick two. If I could get you both at the same time, <laughs> that'd be great. I, I would just, I find both of them uh, fascinating public figures. I find their songwriting, their focus on justice. Um, I'd love to talk to, to Bruce Springsteen just about... Is, is he's so justice oriented and just kind of this yeah. blue collar singer and yet there's a depth of spirituality there and I, I just was like where's that coming from and, mm-hmm. and what's that about he, he has some songs that have just moved me tremendously but but I would say the same is true of, of Bono and you too and and just to like hey where's like yeah to share their story yeah um you know like yeah just what's kind of motivating the work that they do the lyrics inspiring them so um, if I could, if I could have either of those, I'd settle for either one. <laughs> Just settle for one of those. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for sharing, guys. So I know that today, Dave, I believe we have a question from a listener. We so, do. Yeah. So uh, we have a question today from Loretta, our friend from Prince Edward Island. Hello, Loretta. And Loretta. Here's, here's the question that she raised for us. Our school, in the last few years, has embraced project-based learning as one of our preferred teaching methods. I'd love to hear a conversation about this. What are your thoughts on PBL? And do you think there are some good things about PBL and maybe some downfalls of teaching in a PBL Mm -hmm. style? Yeah. So thanks for that question, Loretta. It's a really good Mm -hmm. one. Yes. (laughs) All of those things. Thanks for coming, everybody. (laughs) Well, what do you think, friends? Project-based learning? Yeah. cons? So it was interesting to me that she, um, I think she used the phrase preferred teaching method. So... So I, I would love to ask Loretta sort of what that means in terms mm-hmm. of like, is there an expectation that you're doing PBL? Mm-hmm. Like, that doesn't sound like you know, and this isn't meant as a, as a shot or anything. That doesn't sound like a, a PBL school, but rather they're yeah. playing around with PBL, but it's um, not not part of like the pedagogy of the entire school that guides their philosophy. Um, so I just wonder. I just that would be a clarifying mm-hmm. question for me. Can you can you say more about like what the difference between being a PBL? Yeah, student? like so if I think about so if I think about a PBL school, so Abby and I might be able to talk about this a little bit more later. Abby and I actually visited a PBL school last week, mm-hmm. so this is questions actually very topical. Right. What a wonderful time because I've yeah. been reflecting a lot on that, and I actually have as many questions about mm. about it as I do. Like it was helpful to be there, but like anything, when you when you know something, it raises more questions, right? Sure. So I have more. But if I think about that as a PBL school, and Abby, correct me if I'm wrong or chime in on this, is is really every class, like this, and even the schedule, 
Um, but all all decisions around student teaching and learning are filtered through a PBL. Um, yeah, or filtered through PBL. So how do we do project-based learning in every part of our school? So it's not a preferred pedagogy. It is the pedagogy, pedagogy. right? So like it's the really the totally around project-based yes. learning. Totally. Every part of it. Yeah, and so it was even interesting there. And I could be wrong about this, but like they even showed us their schedule. They basically like have blocks of humanities PBL yep. in okay. the like you know for two to three hours, and um, and then they actually they actually partnered some um, really interesting subjects. Remember what we right. like, like, so like art and science, yeah. for example. We're, like we're, blocks. We're paired together as yeah. PBL. And these teachers had to work together. So you have like an art teacher and a science yes. teacher that are going to co-teach yes. a project base block. block. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's fascinating. It was. Totally. And they created some really cool things. I bet. Yeah. yeah. Amazing things. Huh. So so that's how I was so to come yeah. back to your initial question, Dave. So that's how I would I would when I think of a PBL school, sure. I would say it's PBL all the time. And, and yeah. that's very different from one teacher inside mm. a classroom yeah. doing a project, yeah. right? Right. Because that, yeah. that was my thought initially, too. So I think back to the years I taught science at the middle school, we did a ton of projects. Like, my whole yeah. MO yeah. As, as a science teacher was, okay, we're going to learn about Newton's laws for motion, so we're going to make these cool little maglev cars mm -hmm. out of magnets, and, yeah. and they're going to race down the track, and we did these great projects. And the kids learned a ton. I'm not, mm -hmm. I'm not saying, yeah. But I would not say I was doing project-based learning. Yeah. Okay. It was more teaching through projects. Yeah. And right. I think that's yeah. maybe a subtlety yeah. in this, but I'm wondering yeah. if that's mm -hmm. helpful to kind of distinguish the two yeah. and say like project-based learning seems like an overarching pedagogy versus using projects for learning. Yeah. Is, that, right. is that fussy yeah. or? No, I, I th one, of the, one of the things as you're talking to, one of the things that, and again, I could be wrong because I'm still continuing to grow in my understanding of, of mm -hmm. project-based learning, but one of the hallmarks for me in my mind at least is sort of who the audience is. Mm -hmm. So when I when I think about projects, um, at least as how I've done projects as a teacher, I, I think about the primary audience is basically the teacher, right? Yeah. Not, or maybe the parents. But the students um, are doing work for the teacher's eyes only. Yeah, most yeah. yeah totally. They're yes. pro they're producing something mm -hmm. in order to receive something, which is which is okay. a grade. Sure. Um, and you know, and we've joked about this before, right? So many projects are dumpster projects, right? You spend all this time, you get your grade, mm -hmm. you throw it on the dumpster on the way to the car on on your way home, yeah. never to be seen again. Whereas if I think about one of the hallmarks of project-based learning for me is, is sort of like the audience, right? Is is it's much deeper than that. It's it's to be, you know, ultimately it's to be of service to the world, right? To contribute mm -hmm. to the common good. So how is what we're learning here not only going to benefit me as an individual, but how is it also going to be the, the, to benefit the community in which the mm -hmm. school um, is located? So when we visited, when we visited last week, um, that was one of the interesting notice and wonders for me. Like I noticed that a lot of the, there was a lot of projects hanging up on the walls in the school. Oh, yeah. So I, my first reaction to that was, oh, oh, like I sort of think about audience to be a service to the world outside of the school. But then I thought some of those projects, A, were beautiful. They were vulnerable. They mm -hmm. were, there was some amazing poetry. And I was like, no, like you can still be of service to the world within your school, within right? Yeah. Because the, the, those projects were being of service to me. Like they and, were impacting me in yeah. a deep way. And they talked about exhibitions. Yeah. Did you hear some of that too, mm, right? Yeah. So they would have exhibitions of their learning too. So like there was an art 
installation, mm -hmm. right? And so there was an explanation under it. And then, like, it was clear that they had hosted an art show. Yeah. And oh, yeah. there was, like, a visitor's guide yeah, to the art show. And visitors were encouraged to ask the different artists yeah. Yeah. who were exhibiting questions about their work, yeah. right? And so it was literally a, a public yeah. art showing of of yeah. their work that they had yeah. um, combined with it. I think it was a humanities. I think there was a social element yeah. to it okay. as well. Okay. Um, and also I saw one um, which fascinated me. The seventh graders were building a flight simulator. Yeah, this was amazing. Oh my Three seven students yeah. yes. building a flight simulator. Building a flight simulator. Yeah, that's amazing. It was amazing. Yeah. Like, and it, it was like a computer programming yeah. element, like teacher. Mm -hmm. And, um, and they also were doing another component with that where I think they were designing um, something for a group of people that flew veterans, maybe. Like, that was the okay. project, the wow. service project yeah. part of it. I can't remember exactly the details, but they were creating, they were partnering with this group along with their flight simulator to, who flies around, I think, veterans mm -hmm. to... I, I don't think it was Honor Flight. I think it was something else, okay. but it was something similar, similar, yeah. similar mission. Sure and enough. so that was the service to the world yeah. piece Neat. that they were pairing with this, like building mm -hmm. this flight simulator mm -hmm. that probably won't get used, right, outside of sure. their own learning. But there was like a pairing of it with mm -hmm. an outside yeah. something. The, the, the difference, though, for, for me with that is, yeah, it, the, you mentioned hierarchy of audience, right? Yeah. So yeah. who... who benefits from me doing yeah. that. Of course, the student doing the yeah. learning benefits. Yes, they yeah. do. But if, if the student and teacher are the only people who actually get to see the work, what a yeah. shame. Yeah. yeah. Right. And so that's where the exhibitions come out. Right. Yeah. yeah. Which is which is a cool. And they had all kinds of experts in helping them. Sure. Um, from like the flight industry and it was yeah. neat. That's cool. Yeah. My, my one question, like when I think about Loretta's question is, is hey, how are, how are they defining project-based learning there? Yeah. And I also just think, hey, what, like, what does professional development look like? Mm -hmm. I, I think if a school, if, even if it's the preferred pedagogy of choice, yep. um, my encouragement then is if we really want to lean into this as a school, then there needs to be ongoing professional development. There needs to be yeah. ongoing resources yeah. and collaboration. Like one of the, um, when we happened to visit the school, they had a, um, a small interview panel with a number of teachers. And, and they highlighted that, like this idea of collaboration, of, of working together. And when, when you visited the school, like to me, it seemed like this would take a tremendous amount of energy for, for, mm -hmm. for students, but for teachers as well. Like there is a lot of variables there, even amount, even just the physical and emotional energy of pouring into these students, mm -hmm. of thinking about the needs to design, a, uh, the needs of the community to design a good authentic project and a learning experience. To, the thought of doing that by myself seems, to me, seems insurmountable, even just as I talk about it now. So it was interesting that, you know, to hear, hey, they put physics and art together, um, which is, like I said, um, yeah, well, I would never think to do that. But also I think, hey, like you just need to lean on each other sure. um, to yeah. lean on each other's my, teachers. One of my biggest learning moments at that school was when the principal was actually talking about the structures that enabled it to work, right? Mm -hmm. And he said something about the schedule that has totally stuck with me. He said, the more complicated your schedule, the harder it is for teachers to do complex work. Yeah. with students yeah. and the simpler your scheduling is the more complex work can get done so and, hmm. they, they just have 
huge blocks. Big blocks of time. Yeah, they do like an advisory and maybe like math, and then they have a huge humanities block, lunch, huge science yeah. plus something else block, and maybe one elective at the end of the day. Oh, yeah. That's a fundamental shift in thinking, not just about like the, what mm -hmm. the content of the curriculum is, but yep. like the structures that support cool. teachers. Yeah, and instead of, that. what I thought too was fascinating was instead of like, okay, you're going to take English, freshman, sophomore, junior, senior year, mm -hmm. right? Like they would do humanities and social studies one year. Next year you're doing theater. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. You know what I mean? For a whole, and then, mm -hmm. and then I, so it's, and every student progresses through yeah. that same Sure. Schedule, but then you still have this huge block. It's not all these tiny little classes that you're training, and then they can do field trips much yeah. easier, and then they can do. The time to do it. You know, you can develop these things. Yeah. Um, your schedule is just simpler, so it's easier to, to collaborate and it's easier yeah. to work. So, what I'm wondering though is like, like pragmatically, how does it feel being in this school? Yeah. Like, I have to confess, I, I'm really jealous hearing yeah. you guys yeah. talk about this. Yeah. Like the the feel in the building. I mean, this strikes me as. Forgive me, instruction is messy learning. Is that a yeah. fair mm -hmm. characterization? Yeah. Like, I think of myself, my own teaching practice, I, I like to have a pretty tightly organized yeah. course, not necessarily yeah. the classroom, mm -hmm. but, but the course. Yeah. And I feel like you'd have to be able to just flex yeah. with things. Yeah. And, I'd say that's true. Yeah. It did strike me. Like, like there is a, there was an energy there. Mm -hmm. Like, that was palpable to me. Um, and you could, like, one of the things that I loved about it, if I'm thinking about Loretta's question, you know, like pros and cons, one of the things that I really, really appreciated about it was how infrequently I heard teacher voices mm -hmm. and just the the um, the energy and just even how loud they were in a beautiful way sure. of student voices, just hearing them collaborate. You could feel, in my mind, and again, Abby, you can speak to this, but you could feel students were empowered there. Their voice oh, mattered, literally. Mm -hmm. So so I just think about all the skills that you are developing in students around building relationship, around collaboration. I imagine when you're working on projects with other people, there's going to be disagreement, even con like serious conflict. Sure. And so I think, hey, how are we helping students resolve that? So I think, I think that to me was one of the um, things that jump out. And then I just think about how much deeper does student learning go when students have a chance to discuss ideas instead of just here's, you know, here's what Beamers is saying and I'm receiving and I'm putting it in a, whereas it's like, hey, no, we're going to talk to each other about these. So I just think the exchange of yeah. ideas even mm -hmm. has the potential to lead to deeper right. learning. I think the most impactful part for me to kind of going from what you were saying is the amount of student agency yeah. that was there was uh, off the charts high. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so I'm thinking about schools that I've seen that I've been at that I taught at mm -hmm. and you're absolutely right. It's mostly, it's neat, but it's very teacher centric. Right. Yeah. Right. right? It's very, I'm going to decide the agenda. Here's what we're going to do. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that doesn't exist there, but when we got there, students were showing us around the campus. Oh yeah. Without, How many principals can give that up? Without it, and they were well trained, yeah. and also yeah. very invested and yeah. very comfortable leading groups of adults around their campus. And that they years had not, old. that they had not met, right? One of them was a sixth grader. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. And she was having very easy conversations with a group of strange adults sure. at her school, yeah. showing them. Mm -hmm around right and and even the amount of agency that i saw in the projects and these kids working yeah. independently um you could tell that they owned their learning 
Yeah. Right? Yeah. It wasn't that someone was telling them what to do. Yeah. It was that they were they were part of that. Yeah. What was yeah. that one line, Abby? One of the really... teachers one of the teachers was sharing about how one of the great parts of, of building a project, and by project they mean like multiple month, you know, study yeah. and investment into this, is that um, you never they didn't know as teachers who was going to shine in that project. Mm -hmm. They couldn't predict it. Mm -hmm. And neither could the students because the projects were so different from each other and really yeah. did involve diverse skill sets. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And so they couldn't predict who was going to be the star of the project. And that yeah. to me says to we we might tell ourselves that our learning is diverse and mm -hmm. meant for diverse yeah. students, but I can still put even in my own class now, you know what I mean? My yeah. my assignments are still geared very traditionally uh, academic. Sure. Right? I have a pretty good idea after the first few weeks of class about who will succeed academically yeah. Yeah. Um, versus a project where you don't know who's going to emerge yeah. as a leader. So this has me thinking too about the definition of what a project really is going to mm -hmm. look like, right? If we can kind of distill some practices yeah. for teachers yeah. who are listening to this, like what's going to be a shift that they can make? So giving students an authentic voice and mm -hmm. real agency, mm -hmm. not just the illusion of not voice. Or the illusion. Right. Can you really give it over to them? Right. And so yeah. as, as a teacher, you have to be willing that it's going to get messy. Mm -hmm. I mean, physically messy, but intellectually yeah. messy mm -hmm. too, because you have to let go of yeah. some of it, right? That, mm -hmm. uh, the other thing, I'm thinking about the difference between projects and an authentic problem um, that, that, mm -hmm. that really matters. So something students are going to care about. Uh -huh. too, right? And so, yeah, maybe we have to have a clear problem or project in mind because we've got curriculum goals uh -huh. that we have to yeah. ensure that we're going to meet. There's parameters yeah. for that. But does that sound right uh -huh. to, to like that uh -huh. it's going to have to be some kind of a yeah. driving problem that gets yeah. addressed? Yeah, so I'll give you yeah. an example. So one of the English teachers I talked to showed me a book that her, I think they were grade 11 maybe or mm -hmm. 12, Students wrote, um, so they were, I was obviously in English class, so they read and wrote widely, but they created a manual for their teachers about them as learners. Whoa. And read yeah. deeply in educational psychology, actually, and trauma-informed learning, and also Whoa. just, like, personal narratives. Yeah. About, like, this is how you teach high schoolers. Yeah. And wrote a manual That's for their teachers. I love that. Wasn't that, isn't that cool? And it was, and, like, put it together in an anthology. Yeah. And edited the whole thing. And, like, that was their authentic project. And what a transformational learning experience yes. that is for those kids. Yes. Right? The, the, the amount of personal investment in mm -hmm. it, the agency that they have in that. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, the, the real learning. Yeah, well, and what else is happening there, even yeah. informationally, yeah. right? Is, yeah. is there, hey, I right away when I saw that, I was like, what if this is the first time anyone's ever asked them this question? Yeah. What's the potential for healing? Yeah. What's And I'm not saying, but but what's the, pot I always think about that. What's the potential of any of these projects? Mm -hmm. And that, and that's what I, I just really, I really appreciated that. My, my one wonder about it was, and I didn't, and this isn't a criticism. It's more, I think I have to learn. So Loretta, this is coming back to your question is my wonder about it is what does assessment look like? Mm. Like this idea of like, how do you know that they know, or how do you know that they've learned? And, and the answer has to be more than, well, the project's finished. Well, there it is, right? right. What does learning along the way mm -hmm. sure. look like? Um, what does that, what does that for, formative evaluation mm -hmm. look like? And I just didn't understand that. And, and I did wonder, and I, I think the English, pro, you know, this project, 
helps me understand it better, but just, hey, like, at some level, there's got to be some standards that you're going to yeah. be held to. So yeah. I'm not saying that in project-based learning in, in Prince Edward Island or at High Tech High that that's not happening. Mm -hmm. I would just wonder as a teacher, how do I, like, again, this is where the pro-D for me comes in. Yeah. Is how are we, get, two things can be true. Yeah. We can be doing project-based yeah. learning and meeting standards, but how do how you that do that? That seems really complex mm -hmm. in my limited understanding. Yeah. Um, well, thank you guys for sharing your stories. And yeah. Loretta, thanks for your question. Yeah, because I think this question. is very timely and it all kind of came together here. Friends, we know that your time is valuable and we want to thank you for joining us today for another hallway conversation. So whether it is this day, this week, this month, we hope that the Lord gives you what you stand in need of. And as you go into this day, let us send you with this blessing. So to our listeners who we are so thankful for, God go before you to lead you. God go behind you to protect you. God go beneath you to support you. God go beside you to befriend you. Do not be afraid. May the blessing of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be upon you. Do not be afraid. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a good day. This podcast was quite literally dreamed up during one of our actual hallway conversations. Our music is by Ethan Mulder. Hallway Conversations is an independent podcast created and produced by Matt Beamers, Abby DeGroat, and Dave Mulder. Thanks for listening. I don't do well with hypothetical scenarios. <laughs> this is why I try to come up with hypothetical scenarios <laughs> Put her on the spot. as much as possible.